Chapter twenty six of the Heart of Philura by Florence Morse Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty six The Parish Hears the News. In the damp basement room of the Presbyterian Church, used indifferently for Sunday school, prayer meetings, and the more secular activities of the Ladies' Aid Missionary Society, Mrs. Buckthorn, as president of the latter organization, was assisting Miss Electa Pratt chairman of the sewing committee to lay out the work for the afternoon we really ought to get that home missionary barrel ready to go to the mountain whites this week said mrs buckthorn with a deep sigh expressive of the burden which rested upon her ample shoulders i hope we'll have a good attendance to-day miss pratt sniffed as she held up to view a limp and faded muslin dress of a fashion long since decadent the buttons is tore right out of this waist she observed with a malicious smile do you think it would pay to fix and just look at the hem must have been awful muddy and never got washed clean mrs buckthorn compressed her lips i donated that dress myself she said after careful and prayerful consideration some mountain white mother will be glad and thankful for the opportunity of making over that dress for her child no elector we will not take the ladies time to repair it let them go on with the rompers for the missionaries twins then there's the ribbons to cut and sew for the mile of pennies we're beginning for repairs on the church edifice how much did you have to pay a yard for that ribbon elector ten cents replied miss pratt and it ain't all silk she rolled her greenish eyes toward the door oh there comes mrs puffer oh and do look if she ain't bringing her two youngest much work will get accomplished to-day i suppose she remembered it was tea and cake day <laughs> good afternoon mrs puffer oh the dear little tots so glad you brought em right along i had to replied the matron plaintively or stay at home the baby's teething and kind of fretty and the twins can't do nothing with georgie he's so ambitious and high-spirited he takes after his pa georgie does mrs buckthorn gazed over the top of her spectacles at the little boy who stood with his hands judiciously folded behind his fat person staring imperturbably about the sacred precinct little boy she said in a deep hollow tone do you love jesus young master puffer appeared to be considering the question with some doubt when his mother hastily interposed in his behalf of course he does miss buckthorn he says his prayers just as cunning every night and he'd have been in sunday school all summer if he hadn't had whooping cough this spring and gone from that right into the measles and from that into chicken pox there's some children that seem elected to be saved from their earliest infancy stated mrs buckthorn sonorously my oldest girl martha ellen was that kind she died when she was six water on the brain she could repeat correctly twenty-one hymns and a hundred and eight verses from the bible i've often wondered what she'd have growed up to be had she been spared but there's others that seem born for perdition 
they don't appear to have no real comprehension of spiritual things as i tell the deacon her spectacled glance dwelt darkly on the two small puffers who had taken refuge in their mother's skirts i'd rather my children would live and be healthy murmured mrs puffer rebelliously i'd be scared stiff if they was too religious and like that a number of ladies had strayed in by twos and threes and mrs buckthorn's attention happily diverted from the subject of infant salvation to the more urgent demands of her official position passed them in review one by one i don't see our pastor's wife in the room she observed has any one seen mrs pettibone i requested her to lead the devotional exercises this afternoon and we're already five minutes past the hour no one replied at first and then a thin voice uprose from the back of the room i don't think she's come in you don't think mrs salter did i understand you to say that our pastor's wife wasn't coming the lady addressed now the target for every eye moved her angular shoulders slightly it was evident that she was laboring under strong though suppressed excitement i supposed you'd heard miss buckthorn she said but if you ain't heard heard what why that the minister's wife's got a baby a gasp of incredulity exhaled sharply from every matron's breast miss electa pratt achieved a virginal blush which unluckily centred upon the end of her nose you must be mistaken said mrs puffer authoritatively i'm sure i ought to know sarah jane salter you are mistaken declared mrs buckthorn do you suppose for a moment that i it's adopted conceded mrs salter negligently i thought i said so adopted the word uprose in vehement chorus after which every lady looked searchingly at every other lady and finally at mrs buckthorn that lady had taken up her bible with an air of rigid self-control the kind and variety of that sterling quality which appears to put off for future consideration a subject too large for unpremeditated speech we will read together the twenty-eighth psalm she said in her deepest prayer-meeting voice and afterward be led in prayer by miss deaconess scrimger these pious preliminaries having been duly carried out needles thread and a number of inchoate garments were distributed by miss electa pratt who stated confidentially to mrs puffer that she'd had such a shock a person could knock her down with a feather other ladies confessed to a trembly feeling induced it may be believed by the dramatic suddenness of mrs salter's communication that lady raised to a sudden eminence of social importance was the object of a brisk fire of questions but it was soon learned that she knew very little of the actual circumstances no she said i ain't been to the parsonage myself i had one of my spells last night and i could scarcely crawl over here to the meeting but i felt as though it was my duty to come all i know is 
they come home from somewhere yesterday afternoon with a baby obed he telephoned to me about five o'clock that reverend pettibone was to the store asking for a nursing bottle of course obed he don't keep em in stock so he told him to go to the drug store i heard they called in the doctor this morning it's a very serious thing to adopt a baby stated mrs buckthorn strongly and it was felt that she had voiced the sentiment of the meeting of course if you have children of your own that's one thing she went on didactically the lord sends em and you've got to do the best you can with what comes but to take somebody else's child to raise is a terrible responsibility i don't think philura rice had ought to attempt it more especial as she has assumed other duties and responsibilities as the wife of our pastor if she'd seen fit to consult me before taking such a step i should have advised her different what i want to know is where did she get it put in miss pratt and then she giggled in her usual high-pitched girlish manner <laughs> to think of philura with a baby <laughs> she cried the idea obed asked mr pettibone where they got it said mrs salter and he sort of hummed and awed and says he i haven't consulted with mrs pettibone as to whether it will be altogether best to divulge the child's parentage he says did you ever murmured mrs scrimger seems as though we'd got a right to know i agree with you said mrs buckthorn sonorously she folded the red and white gingham legs upon which she had been at work with deliberate motions of her large fat hands i'm obliged to leave early today she told her satellites but i do hope you'll all remain while the light is good because the barrel for the mountain whites really must be got off in time to put in our report for the annual church meeting a resentful silence broken only by the voices of the infant puffers upraised in united protest settled upon the gathering oh, the children observed mrs puffer mildly seem to be getting fretty i think i'd better take em home aren't you going to wait for the tea and cake asked mrs scrimger but mrs puffer had already gathered her belongings and was moving toward the door the baby's fat face bobbing over her shoulder and master georgie trailing a long strip of red and white checked gingham which somebody had tied to an empty spool it's so kind of damp in this room i feel it all through my bones complained mrs salter the doctor told me only yesterday i was to avoid dampness and obed says to me at dinner today when i told him i meant to make an effort and get over to the meeting don't you stay long he says mr salter's awful particular about my health mind what i tell you he says or i'll have you down again on the flat of your back so i guess her tall angular figure disappeared through the door to the gentle patter of her speech well it's funny but i can't stay either simpered miss pratt i come early a purpose so i could be excused at four i have an important engagement with which miss pratt also departed the ladies who were left cast furtive glances at one another while they set dutiful stitches in the red and white gingham rompers destined for the home missionaries twins 
it seems to be clouding up sighed one no but we don't get the light we ought to for sewing opined another if you ladies don't object said mrs scrimger who was chairman of the refreshment committee me and mrs bassett'll serve tea kind of early i got to go home to see for something for the deacon the entertainment committee withdrew to the adjoining kitchen whence a subdued clatter of cups and plates presently issued a lady distinguished by a deep mourning costume arose i don't care for tea she said gently it upsets my nerves and she went away i don't wonder mrs bartlett can't drink the tea mrs dinkiness scrimger brews murmured a pallid person from the twilight shadow of the sunday school bookshelf it's strong enough to bear up an egg she whispered something to mrs elder trimmer who sat next to her and then glided away with a self-righteous air of superiority i'm sure i don't want any strong tea and social tea crackers are all we'll get for cake said the woman nearest the door and she folded up her red and white gingham legs meaning of course the home missionary legs and silently stole away when mrs scrimger and mrs bassett re-entered the room each bearing a tray with cups and other tea paraphernalia it was to find a room enlivened by neatly folded piles of sanguinary hued material but otherwise empty of occupants well gasped mrs bassett who was short and stout and correspondingly lacking in breath at critical junctures did you ever mrs deaconess scrimger never did in all her life and she said so with great variety and freedom of speech will you have a cup of tea she asked mrs bassett it's hot and strong but mrs bassett appeared never drank tea of an afternoon nor did she at the moment feel appetite for the very dry and pale cakes reposing in serried rows in two church plates of green sprigged china mrs bassett thought she must go home at once if mrs scrimger didn't mind and as there were no cups to wash mrs scrimger left to herself drank two cups of tea rather than waste it all after which she providently restored the pale cakes to their pasteboard box they'd do nicely she thought for the next tea and cake meeting it should be acknowledged at once that mrs pettibone had for the first time in years forgotten the meeting of the ladies aid and missionary society the completeness of her lapse of memory being further evidenced by a slip of paper tucked the week before into the frame of her mirror and bearing the words devotional exercises lams august twenty second mrs pettibone had actually removed this paper inscribed upon it words of far different purport and given it to mr pettibone on the morning of that very day as he stepped forth from the parsonage the baby said mrs pettibone needs these things at once and she appeared so very pink and excited and her hair was rumpled into such careless curls that the minister after glancing at her in his usual professional way looked a second time and then deliberately re-entered the house closed the street door and took her in his arms why silas murmured mrs pettibone in unaffected surprise well you look so sweet he excused himself and kissed her twice this episode having been concluded to the satisfaction of both 
he again went forth from the ministerial domicile and walked away very fast he felt like whistling a secular tune but refrained it had not been mr pettibone's custom to whistle tunes of any sort on the streets of innisfield then he glanced at the memorandum his wife had given him devotional exercises l.a.m.s august twenty-second he read it puzzled him why should the baby require oh but hold on quite as she meant him to do he turned the paper over and perceived other words two cakes the best castile soap white three cards of safety pins small medium and large two yards of fine white flannel and quarter pound of lactose the minister had not slept as well as common the night before there had been various noises of an unfamiliar nature and the ever-recurrent vision of a small figure panoplied in white passing to and fro but the sight of his wife's face across the breakfast table had caused him to forget it all he had not known she could look like that the thought of it followed him as he entered the emporium of elder george trimmer where safety pins of assorted sizes could doubtless be found safety pins said brother trimmer oh, yes we have them he looked inquiringly across the counter at his pastor he had heard of men whose wives were so negligent in the matter of buttons that they were compelled to make use of the invention which he now displayed in nickel-plated profusion upon his counter mr pettibone painstakingly selected three cards small medium and large as per memorandum and fine white flannel he added you have fine white flannel i suppose and um, castile soap oh, the uh, the best he glanced stealthily at the scrap of paper concealed in the palm of his hand oh uh, white the soap must be white well well said mr trimmer with a slightly jocular air hmm, yes mr trimmer was a family man and proud of the fact only two yards of this flannel he inquired only two now i should say you'd require oh, at least eight yes eight wouldn't be any too lavish a pattern i should say some ladies buy ten or even twelve a square yard of this flannel worked around the edge yes worked scalloped as ladies will makes a tip-top infant's blanket i think said mr pettibone rubbing his chin dubiously that it already has a blanket or perhaps two i noticed mrs pettibone <clears throat> yes yes murmured mr trimmer fussily <clears throat> i may say i am surprised <laughs> i'd no idea oh, nor had i till yesterday said his pastor it would never have occurred to me i own but my wife uh, yes you may cut off two yards of that flannel if more's required mrs pettibone will come in later i think the child requires it today as far as i know its wardrobe is somewhat limited mr trimmer's shears which had shiningly snipped their way well into the blue white flannel came to a sudden halt limited he exclaimed honestly aghast and you didn't know until yesterday in the course of our parochial rounds said mr pettibone calmly we chanced yesterday to meet um amid somewhat distressing circumstances a young infant 
my wife mrs pettibone is a very warm-hearted person and being touched by the infant's evident need of maternal care she offered indeed i may say insisted upon you adopted it you took a child to bring up oh, precisely we brought it with us to the parsonage last night it's a boy and appears mr trimmer shook his head i'm sorry you didn't consult me he said before taking such a step why propounded mr pettibone don't you think me capable of bringing up a son mr trimmer smacked his tongue smartly against the roof of his mouth i wouldn't advise anybody to adopt a child he said it's too great a responsibility it would have involved a graver responsibility to leave the child where it was said mr pettibone and why should i not assume a responsibility i am i believe a responsible person mr trimmer looked pityingly at him have you any idea what sort of man that infant will grow into he demanded well no replied the minister can any one predict what their children will grow into can you for example oh yes sir said mr trimmer i can if my boys don't behave i'll make em behave and they know it george trimmer junior will be a man like me and henry is like his ma well correlated the minister tentatively the breed's more than the pasture quoted mr trimmer smartly whose child is it where'd you get him tell me that and i'll tell you impossible said mr pettibone we've decided to keep all that to ourselves but let me remind you brother trimmer that an immortal soul has other attributes than those merely physical all are children of god and inherit eternal life eternal possibilities of glory in adam's fall we sinned all snapped mr trimmer you can't get back of that he finished snipping off the flannel and banged his scissors smartly on the counter as if they had been the shears of fate i hope you won't be sorry ten years from now he added in a tone signifying the exact opposite of his words nor in twenty i ain't got no use for other folks children in that respect said his pastor keenly you differ from jesus of nazareth with which trenchant saying he departed leaving the two yards of blue-white flannel upon the counter mr trimmer gazed at the small parcel with a singular expression on his rather dry and wizened countenance in that respect i differ eh he muttered thoughtfully now what do you mean by that well perhaps i did put it a little bit strong and he forgot his flannel and the safety pins maybe i'd better send him up to the house she might want them for the baby here you george get up to the parsonage with this bundle they're in a hurry for it mr trimmer walked to his desk in the rear of the store and opened his day-book with the intent of entering the items the minister had forgotten to pay for adopted he repeated adopted it will cost em a good bit to bring up a boy mm, so it will well guess i won't charge it 
he laid down his pen with a pleasant glow about his heart. That same afternoon, when Mrs. Pettibone had fed the baby, she sat gazing at him with loving intentness. She supposed she ought to put him down in the little bed she had improvised out of two chairs and a pillow, but she excused herself on the ground that she had not yet had a chance to take a good look at the child. He'd cried a good deal in the night and refused the bottle she had so urgently pressed into the small, widely opened mouth. In the morning, she sent for Dr. North, and he had come at once in response to her summons. "'Well, Miss Philura, what's the matter with you?' he began, as he hurriedly wriggled out of his raincoat. "'Or is it the Dominie? Don't know when I've been in this house before.' Mrs. Pettibone had always stood very much in awe of the excellent doctor. His large presence and loud, authoritative voice affected many women that way. But all of them trusted him. "'You told me, advised me, to adopt a baby,' she said, trembling visibly. "'And I... he's here. And I don't know what to feed him or anything.' Dr. North stared at Mrs. Pettibone, his grizzled eyebrows drawn over his bright eyes in an intimidating frown. "'I told you. I advised you,' he blurted out. "'When did I say anything like that to you?' I've no recollection. Oh, a long time ago, she reminded him, you were just coming out of Mrs. Salter's. She'd been having a spell. Don't you remember? Oh, bless my soul! If I should tax my memory with everything I said coming out of Mrs. Salter's. But you say you've actually got a baby on the premises, and I didn't even know it. I'll have to look into this. I will indeed. Can't have that sort of thing going on. And he rubbed his big hands together and laughed his big laugh as he followed the small fluttering person of Mrs. Pettibone into the sitting room where two chairs and a pillow were placed in close juxtaposition to the stove in which a fire was burning. I thought I ought to keep him warm, she murmured as the doctor flung up a window with a muttered exclamation. "'Yes, but not cook him, Miss Fleura. Now let's look into this.' He pulled the flannel from the small pink face. "'Why, bless my soul!' he exploded. "'This child can't be much more than a week old. "'Where on earth? Where's the mother?' "'He's ten days this morning,' said Mrs. Pettibone proudly. "'I'm his mother.' The doctor stared at her frowningly. You, his eyes said only too plainly, of all persons. She clasped her hands appealingly. Oh, don't you think I can? she murmured. I've wanted one so long. Oh, and I love him so. I'll do everything you tell me. I'll... Well, I guess you'll have to, seeing as you've got him, by hook or crook. A boy, eh? Harder to raise than a girl. It's well to begin on a girl. Well, we'll see. We'll see. And he had seen, thoroughly and in detail, when he finally left the parsonage after a visit of unparalleled length. Mrs. Pettibone felt that she had never appreciated sufficiently the vast and profound knowledge locked up in Mrs. Puffer's matronly breast. No wonder mothers had that patronising air she had formerly resented. They had a right to be haughty and superior, they had a right, too, to pity ignorant persons who knew nothing of babies. 
Mrs. Pettibone pensively regarded the baby's bottle, in which remained a small portion of properly modified milk. She'd come a long way since yesterday, and learned many things of which she had no previous knowledge. And the doctor had said he would come again. He would come often, and she was not to worry about the charge, because an adopted baby was different. Everybody had to take hold with an adopted baby. It was no more than right. The doorbell rang. It was Mrs. Buckthorn, and she'd come directly from the forgotten meeting of the Ladies' Aid and a Missionary Society. End of chapter 26